Hebrews chapter 12. And as we've come to Communion Sunday, we're going back to our theme of what it means to be rooted and grounded in love. And this year, that's a message, that is a theme that God has given us so that we can learn, that we can grow, that we can continue running this race of faith. We've titled today's message, Press On, Press On. I want you to know that not only is this a place of remembrance when we come to the table of communion, it's also a place of examination. And if you like taking notes, write that down. It's a place of remembrance, but it's also a place of examination. And we're going to learn very quickly that you really can't belong to two tables. <laughs> you can't belong to the table of the Lord and also to the table of the world. We cannot belong to the table of communion, but also belong to the table of compromise in the world. And that's where we come to this portion of Scripture now. Because this is to renew us, this is to encourage us. Those of us that maybe are discouraged because of the seasons that we're living in. Those of us that maybe are taking steps back now. And that we can have hope now in this chapter, chapter 12 of Hebrews. Here in Hebrews, he gives us really a reason to endure discouragement or reasons to endure discouragement while your faith is being tested, while your discipline is being tested, by your love is being tested as well. And he's telling the Hebrews here in the church in Hebrews chapter 12 to now continue to run the race of faith. Continue to run the race of faith. Because the Hebrews here in the church... They wanted to slow down because of trials. They wanted to slow down because of the intensified persecutions that they were going through. They were discouraged now and they were on the verge of quitting. I don't know about you, have you felt the pressure lately because of the trials? Because maybe of some type of persecution that you felt and you felt so discouraged to the point that you wanted to give up and to quit in and to give in. But we know it's always too soon to quit. And he's going to teach us endurance in chapter 12 of Hebrews. Endurance. He's already explained the ministry of endurance through talking about a farmer, an athlete, a bond servant. He explains that in the word of God. A boxer, a soldier. But today he's going to talk about the runner. The runner that has endurance. Because the Christian faith, and I want you to write this down, remember this. The Christian faith is a marathon and it's not how you start the marathon it's about how you finish here is going to tell us the dangers of losing the race and what must we do to finish the race well what must you do to finish the race well because it's not only about if you finish it's about how you finish and what good is it if you finish if you still miss the mark Are you paying attention how you're running the race today so that you finish well? It was Robert Murray McShayan, a minister of Scotland, who recorded his journal, and the entire entry was this. 24 hours all wasted, never to be regained again. (laughs) What a loss, unquote. You see, the reason why this is so impactful is because it forces us to ask the question, how much time are you wasting? 
Are you wasting time because of fear or because of discouragement today? We as believers, we're going somewhere. And we can't afford to waste time in such a precious moment that we're living in today. This is not a time for a spiritual vacation, nor will it ever be. It's not. It's not a time for you to take steps back. It's a time for you to say, wherever God wants me, that's where I want to be. Wherever God wants me, that's where I want to be. And I want to tell you where He wants you. He wants you in the will of God. He wants you in His house. He wants you a part of worship. He wants you in congregation. Because a life of discipline means a life of obedience. And He's already told the church in the book of Hebrews to go on to spiritual maturity, to go on to perfection, to go on into spiritual growth. Even in the hour of difficulty, for some reason, oftentimes in our mind, when we're going through trials, we believe that that is a moment where we don't have to grow. In fact, that's the moment where it gives us an opportunity to grow most. Notice that in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, I'm going to read it to you. He told the church this, Therefore, laying aside the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Go on to maturity now. In fact, he's saying, church, grow up. <laughs> it's time to grow up, church. And maybe you came today, you needed to hear that. Grow up. It's time to go on to maturity, not laying aside, again, the foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith toward God. Why? Because there's more to be gained in Christ than to be lost in this world. And he's already told us that we have a high priest, Jesus, as the greatest example of endurance. You have a high priest. His name is Jesus. And he is the greatest example for you of endurance. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, he talks about Jesus as our high priest when he tells us this. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. Inasmuch as he is also a mediator of a better covenant, which established on better promises. Because of Jesus Christ... We are living on a better covenant, which is His finished work on the cross, which is why we take communion, and that better covenant allows us to enjoy better promises. That is the covenant that me and you live in right now. And because of that, we are going to today be trained in endurance. We're going to today be trained in discipline. And today we're going to be trained, listen to this one, to continue. Not just to start, but to continue. You will be trained in endurance, in discipline, and to continue. We have three major points as we look at the text today. And number one, if you like taking notes, it's the race of faith in verse 1. The focus in verse 2. And the encouragement in verse 3. We're going to read three verses. It's the focus, the race of faith, and the encouragement. Now let's go ahead and pray. And then we're going to read the text of Hebrews chapter 12. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Because your word is living and it's powerful. We ask God that you would show us, Lord. That you would give us strength to continue to take steps of faith in this moment. Because the hour of trial, the hour of difficulty, Lord. Is the moment, Lord, the season in which we are able to lean on you, Lord, lean into your word, 
and continue to take the steps of faith that you've given us in your word to do. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us now in Jesus' name. And together we said, Amen. So Hebrews 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that is set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider, verse 3, him who endures such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Number one, the race of faith. Notice here that he starts verse 1 with the word therefore. Therefore implies, with that being said, or with chapter 11 that he's already emphasized on, and the previous chapters in which he's talked about, therefore, since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses. Now, who is he talking about when he says, therefore, because we are surrounded by such great testimony or cloud of witnesses? He's not read to us or explained to us and taught us chapter 11 of the steps of faith that is filled with Old Testament examples of men and women that took steps of faith in endurance, of men and women that took steps of faith of courage, of boldness, and inherited the promises of God in chapter 11. In fact, he's taking us through a museum now of champions and of heroes of the faith now that are teaching us what it looks like to endure and to inherit promises. Now notice that in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12, he talked about the race of faith. He talked about inheriting promises. And he said this, I don't, you, I don't want you to become sluggish. I don't want you to become spiritually dull, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit promises. How many people do you think right now because of discouragement are becoming sluggish? They're becoming spiritually dull. Because of discouragement, they're taking steps backwards. They're not walking forward. They're not taking steps. They're not running the race. They have become spiritually dull. But he says, I don't want you to become spiritually dull. In fact, I want you to imitate those that through belief or through faith and patience, which means endurance, inherit promises. Now promises are inherited by faith and by patience. That means that unbelief and impatience now will disqualify you from inheriting everything that God has for you. Impatience and unbelief will disqualify you from inheriting everything that God has for you. You see, he's giving us here examples of people that ran their race in chapter 11, that finished well, and because of their powerful witness, we can use that to encourage us. Oftentimes we read chapter 11 of the Hall of Faith, and it doesn't stir us up. We says, therefore, I want you to be stirred up. I want you to be inspired by godly examples, because chapter 11 is a picture of a maximum effort. Now, think about your life. Is that a picture of maximum effort in the Christian life? Are you running with maximum effort today in the season that you're in? Because he's going to talk about maximum effort, about carrying the baton from chapter 11 today so that we can continue to run the race. And he's saying, I want you to continue to take steps of faith. I want to ask you today, when was the last time you took a step of faith? 
When was the last time you took a speck of boldness and of courage? In the time that we're living in today, it is required of us as believers that we would take steps of faith. Now notice what it says here. We also, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witness because of the example that we have. Think about the example that you have. Because of the example that we have, let us lay aside every way and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Now you have an example. Therefore, lay aside. You're running a race. You must lay aside every way and the sin that so easily ensnares you. Because you're running a race. Now the word here, lay aside, means to strip off. If you like taking notes, write that. To strip off every weight. Now notice it doesn't say two weights or it doesn't say three weights. It says every weight. <laughs> what was the weight that they were facing in this time? They were facing the weight of legalism. Because they thought that if they renounced Christ and they went back to Moses and the law, they weren't going to be persecuted the way they were. So they said, if we just go back to the Old Testament, that Old Covenant, and he reminds them, no, don't go back to the Old Covenant. Don't renounce Christ now. That's the weight that they were carrying at this moment. And he's saying, I want you to strip off every weight. Renounce now every weight now. And every weight means any hindrance or any impediment now. Why? Because you can't run effectively with weights. In fact, effective athletes, experienced athletes, they learn and they know how to cut weight to be effective in the race. They cut weight. They manage weight. And have you seen someone run and track or in an event in track and field? They use the lightest shoes, they use the lightest clothes and the little tank top and the small little shorts because they want to maximize every stride now in maximum effort to win the race. Can you imagine a sprinter running with weights? Or a pole vaulter that is about to now leap over that pole and he has weights strapped down to him. And you see now how he's talking about now that we ought to cast off the weights so that you can run with endurance. And the weight can be any type of distraction in your life right now. It's not, and when he's talking about weight, he's not talking about a choice that you have to make between where this is, where if this is right or wrong. That's not the weight. Because a weight can be something good in your life, but it's something that's distracting you from doing what God called you to do. It can be something good, but it's holding you back right now. And we have to cast off any amusement, any entertainment, any attraction that is holding us back from running the Christian faith and race effectively. And I want to tell you, when you make a decision, whether if this is a weight or not, ask yourself the question, does this help me or does this slow me down? Does this help me or does this slow me down? Oftentimes, it doesn't seem like a weight until you start to run. <laughs> and then you find out very quickly, this is a weight in my life. You think that you can carry it, but when you start to run the Christian life of faith, you find out this is a weight in my life. This is holding me back. And if you want to travel far, you must travel light. What is the weight that you're carrying on today? I want to tell you, you better be careful this morning. That you're not doing something that God never called you to do. There's often times that we think that if we fill up our schedule with busyness, that that's of God. 
That couldn't be more wrong. Be careful that you are not busy doing something that God never called you to do. Because that's going to be a weight in your life. In fact, look what he says now. And the sin which so easily ensnares us. Not only does weight hold you back from running the race with endurance, but also sin. Every sin that so easily ensnares us. What was the sin that they were facing in in Hebrews? Unbelief. That's why he encouraged them to have faith in chapter 12 so that they continue to take steps of faith and the sin, cast off the sin because it's holding you back. You're not going to win the race. You're not going to finish well. The word ensnares means it not only slows you down, but it trips you up. <laughs> the sin trips you up. And it says easily now ensnares us because it can be easily avoided as well. However, sometimes we admire the sin we're attracted to the sin. The sin may seem harmless in our eyes. It may seem lucrative and very attractive, very appealing, but it's very destructive. It can ruin your life and the sin will cost you the race. You know how many people right now try to, are running with, with weight and with sin? And that's why the race is not looking good for them. It's going to cost them the race. Because they're concerned, they want to carry this way, they want to carry the sin, and they want to continue in this race, and it is not until they renounce the way, they renounce the sin, that they will be able to run with endurance. The only place for that sin, that desire, that passion to belong, is at Calvary when you nail it to the cross. What did Paul say in Galatians 2.20? I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and He gave Himself for me. I took that sin and I nailed it to the cross so I can continue to run the race. He's talking about being committed, being all in in the race. Ask yourself, what is slowing me down today? What's slowing you down today? What is slowing you? In fact, ask yourself this, who is slowing you down today? Because maybe something or someone is slowing you down and you're being disqualified in this race because of the weight or the sin that you're carrying. Holding on to something, being burdened with something that God has already called you to let go. Maybe God's calling you to let go of something that you're holding on to. I'm going to ask you today, will you do something that makes you happy even if it's outside of the will of God? Will you do something that makes you happy even if it's outside of the will of God? Because the pursuit of happiness is not fulfilled as a direct pursuit. I want you to know that. And we've talked about this before. The pursuit of happiness is fulfilled as a byproduct of another pursuit. And that's the pursuit of holiness. When you pursue holiness, happiness tags along. Everybody wants to talk about happiness, but nobody wants to talk about holiness. Paul in chapter... 2 of Timothy, chapter, the second letter of Timothy, chapter 2, verse 4 says this, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. You are in spiritual warfare today. And if you are enlisted in spiritual warfare, you will not entangle yourselves with the affairs of this life or you will not please him who enlisted you, God. You're only going to please either the Lord or the world. Just imagine somebody in war. And trying to fight in that warfare while being in their mind entangled by the affairs at home. You can't fight effectively. 
You cannot do it. And if you want the life of Christ to flow through you, you want the life of Christ to flow through you, spirit to flow through you, you must lay aside the weight in the sin because the weight in the sin will now stop now, disqualify, hinder the life of Christ from flowing through your life. The weight in the sin. What is the weight in the sin today? Let's keep reading verse 1. And let us run with speed. No. <laughs> let us run with endurance. There's a lot of times we think that we need to run with speed in this race. Look at everyone watch me how fast I run this race. Have you ever seen those speed Christians that they want to, they take off. You don't even know when they took, they took off a long time ago. But pretty soon you don't know where they're at. They're missing. Because it's a race that we would run with endurance. It, it, it means that we're not running fast just because it's easy. We're running with endurance, with maturity, with patience, bearing every situation. And no matter the season that we run through, guess what? We have not stopped running. That's why it says run with endurance. Run with patience now. And you cannot run with endurance if you're, being, if you're being hindered by capacity. If you're carrying something, weight or sin, that you're not supposed to. It ruins and it hinders your potential to win. Now, right here where it says the word endurance, I want you to write the word perseverance. Because it's talking about perseverance and there is no shortcuts to perseverance. There are no shortcuts to the finish line. If you want to finish the race, it requires endurance. And endurance requires discipline. Discipline. If you want to finish the race, it requires endurance. And endurance requires discipline. It's been said before, endurance is the steady determination to keep going regardless of the temptation to slow down or to give in. Endurance. I'm going to read it for you again. Endurance is the steady determination to keep going regardless of the temptation to slow down or to give up. Are you being tempted right now to slow down or to give up? Maybe God's calling you, hey, you need to let go of something. This is the reason why you can't run this race. I want to tell you, this race is not a competitive race among believers. It's not to say that I'm running faster or longer or more than that believer over there. This race... And the endurance that you ought to be running is to, in your mind, for you to know and in your heart, for you to know that you are running closer to God today than you were yesterday. That's what it means to run with endurance. Now notice, as we finish verse 1, that is set before us. I love that. That's set before us. You know what it means? That God set that race before us and you ought to run in the race that is set before you. The lane now that God has for you in, in a race, everyone has their lane. Set before us means stay in your lane. What's my lane? It, they're my gifts. It's my calling now. I'm not running in someone else's lane. I'm running in my lane. This is my calling. These are my gifts. I'm maximizing my stride. Every opportunity for me to win this race now. I want to encourage you today. Do not try to run someone else's race. Or don't try to have someone run the race for you. Because that can't happen. But oftentimes, I want to run my race like that person. No. You stay in your lane. It's set before you now. And it requires discipline. It requires now patience. It requires also focus. Write the word now, focus. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 26, Solomon says this, 
Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Notice that it says that. And run the race. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Stay in your lane. Focus on the race. We've talked about the race of faith. Number two, the focus. Let's read verse two, the focus. How are you to run with endurance? You ought to run focus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that is set before him endured the cross. What is the focus supposed to be on the race? You know why a lot of people don't finish the race? Because they're too distracted with the sidelines. <laughs> I want to know who's watching me run. You guys see me win? <laughs> and they're not focused on the finish line. Therefore, they never finish the race correctly. They don't finish well. They're looking unto circumstances. Their eyes are on themselves. Their eyes are on the pain. Their eyes are on everything except the finish line. Looking unto, look at this, unto Jesus. Now, looking unto is a word that means fixing one's eyes trustingly. I'm fixing my eyes and I'm trusting on the Lord. I have a laser focus on Jesus. You know what a laser focus means? It means that it has absolutely no interruptions. A laser focus has zero interruptions. I have a laser focus. I'm looking into Jesus and we can do this by looking away from sin, away from circumstances, away from self to look to the Lord. You can't look to Jesus if you're looking unto everyone else. Whether or not that person came to church or not, or whether or not my buddy is coming or he's not coming, or whether she's serving or she's not serving, or she's still in the walk or she's not in the walk, you run the race and you look to Jesus. Now notice what it says, look unto Jesus. Get your eyes off yourself and put them to Jesus. And notice this, if He is your vision, He's going to give you strength to go on. If He's your vision, He's going to give you strength to go on. Now, now look what He says. Who is the author and the finisher of our faith? The author means here, He's the originator. And in a race, this is what it means. He's the one that takes the lead in the race. And we follow His example. I love this. He is almost like the lead runner in the marathon. And we are following after him, Jesus, the greatest example, that lived by faith under the power of the Holy Spirit and in obedience, who is the author where our faith began, and our faith will be completed, and our faith will continue in. It started by faith, and it will continue by faith. This ministry started by faith, this ministry will continue by faith. Your walk started by faith, your walk will continue by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Now notice this, the author and the finisher of our faith, the word finisher, he has perfected our faith. Our faith begins and finishes with him. He's there every step of the way with us. The author, the beginning, and the completer of our faith now. This is amazing to remember today because oftentimes we get discouraged whether or not God wants to use our lives. I remember there's been times in my life where I, where I said, Lord, you use me in that season, are you still... Do you still want to use me at that capacity where I was running the race at such now strength and maximum level, Lord? You have to remind yourself this verse. In fact, remind yourself, 
Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 where it says, being confident of this very thing. There's a lot of Christians that are losing confidence right now. And that's why they quit. Being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He began, it started by faith. He's the author and he's the perfecter. Now let's read verse 2. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now notice what it says here, the joy that is set before him. He teaches us how to run and run with joy. Don't run complaining in the race. There's no, nobody worse than training with someone that's just complaining. Have you ever trained with someone and all they do, they complain? Just don't come. If you're just going to complain, stay at home. For the joy that is set before him, what did he do? He endured with joy. He endured what? The cross now. He did it with an attitude of joy. Why did he endure the cross with an attitude of joy? You see, it's not like he went to the cross and he had a big smile on his face with, with joy. No, it wasn't that. But his attitude, he said, I'm going to endure this pain because it's pain. I'm going to endure the pain and I'm going to do it with joy because of the promise that I'm awaiting now. I'm enduring suffering now with joy because of the good reward that is following after now. And that's communion and fellowship that we're going to remember this morning. I'm doing it with joy now because I'm looking beyond the cross or what the cross is going to accomplish now, the fellowship and the communion. I'm thinking about the substitutionary sacrifice that's going to be paid as the world puts their trust and faith in Christ. Doing it with joy. You see, you can run the race with joy even when you're undergoing pain, when you're looking forward to the promise. You're looking forward to the promise. He endured patiently. He suffered at the cross. You see that commitment comes with a price now? And if we're following Christ in, in His footsteps, we're also going to pay that price. Because it comes with a price. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, it says this, And being found in the appearance of man, He humbled Himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Joy and obedience. Those are two words that we almost never associate together. <laughs> when was the last time you said joy and obedience in the same sentence? <laughs> See, the Lord took on the cross in obedience. And in obedience, He endured with joy. Because He was thinking about fellowship with me and with you after. We want to be shy of suffering. We want to be shy of, of endurance. And we shy away from these things that only are allowing us to get closer to Jesus. Do you see that? In fact, it was joy because there's no greater joy. There is no greater joy than being obedient to the Father's will. There is no greater joy than being obedient to the Father's will, number one. It was joy because there's no greater joy than rescuing someone from their sins. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? There's no greater joy than rescuing someone from their sins. And joy because of the promise of reconciliation and eternal fellowship. There was joy in that. He did it with joy because of reconciliation. I'm going to endure this because I know what's going to happen after. Now look what he says. He did it with joy, but also it says he despising the shame. He despised the shame. Why? Because the cross was associated with shame. He didn't carry it with shame. He carried it with joy. Why was it associated with shame now? Because the Romans said this is the worst punishment for a criminal to pay the price of their sins or of their crime 
And this is the most humiliating way. We're going to strip him naked, nail him to the cross, and beat him publicly now. And it was such a shameful thing. But he said, the Lord said, I'm not going to carry this with embarrassment. I'm not going to be embarrassed about carrying the cross for other people. How many times have you been embarrassed and carried the cross with shame? You know the world wants to impose shame when it comes to you carrying the cross? You're going to go to church right now? What are you, crazy? What are you, you're living your life in holiness? What? And try to bring the shame on you because you're following Jesus. You see, endurance requires now that you now are willing to accept rejection of the world and say, I'm not going to now let shame move me. I'm going to despise the shame. There are certain things in your life that you are going to do as a follower of Jesus Christ, including rejection, that you're going to have to endure. How is it that we can say that we can be brave for the world and courageous for the world, but shameful and cowardly for Christ? You see, when Jesus carried that cross, He didn't do it with shame. And neither should you walk your Christian life with shame. We ought to be bold for the Lord and courageous. In fact, if we are going to be bold about anything in life, we better be bold about Christ. We must be bold about Christ. Because the cross is a mandatory instrument of death for all of us if we are to follow the Lord. He said, if anyone desires to follow me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. And in the long run, notice this, in the long run, since we're talking about a race, in the long run, the pain of resisting the cross in your life is harder to deal with than the pain of the cross itself. Because you're going to find yourself in a, lot, in a lot of heartaches and headaches because you're resisting the cross of Christ that He's called you to carry. Don't despise it. Now, don't carry it with shame. Despise the shame. There are often times that we value comfort over character or our pleasure versus the promises of God and therefore we never carry the cross. And it says this, He carried it now despising the shame. Notice the end of verse 2, And He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is amazing. He sat down at the place of authority. He sat down at the right hand of the place of exaltation now, at the glorified presence of God now, and He carried now the cross before He sat with it, wearing the crown now. And we see this. This is so amazing because He is there sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. Think about this. As our great encourager. You know, the Bible says that we have a high priest that lives to make intercession for us. He's there praying for us on our behalf. That every time me and you mess up, he's there at the right side of the place of authority and said, Father, I've already paid for their sins. He's there as our encourager, as our comforter, for our assistance, for our acceptance. Now, this is amazing. He is there as our high priest, sitting at the right hand of the throne of the Father. Now, this gives us a lot of perspective and focus as we look at the encouragement. We have the race of faith. We have the focus, which is Christ. But also we have the encouragement. Look at verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility. Consider Christ. When you are discouraged, the best thing to do is put your eyes back on Jesus. Especially in the moments that we're living in, a lot of people are living in discouragement. When is this all going to end? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Consider everything he endured. We're enduring this, we're enduring this season. You're enduring maybe a personal pain. You're enduring maybe an emotional thing, a, a, a physical thing, maybe a spiritual thing. Consider what He endured. That's why you won't get encouraged. 
Now, the word consider, it's almost an accounting term of a comparison. It's an accounting term of, of someone taking a balance sheet, of an accountant, and comparing two columns on a balance sheet and, and looking at the contrast between them. And he's saying, take your life and the life of Christ and compare it in contrast to see how much He endured, follow His footsteps, therefore, and in that manner, you will not get discouraged. Think about the hostility, the anger that He endured through sinful people and sinners against Himself. Consider the, the trial that He had to go through and follow His footsteps now, in denial now, and endurance now, in obedience. And as we end here, lest you become discouraged, weary and discouraged in your souls. Is there anybody here that's weary or discouraged today in their souls? Weary because of pressures. Discouraged in their soul because the pressures are from inside and the pressures are from outside as well. Now you notice that this is the best remedy that we get from weariness and discouragement. You know where it's at? It's in the Word of God. It's in looking to the Lord. Because nothing brings more comfort, nothing brings more counsel to a discouraged, weary soul than the truth of the Word of God. And if it's coming from somewhere else, then I don't want it. Because it's not going to do anything for you. It really isn't. Consider what he went through for the promise. Consider the pain that he went through. He's telling the Hebrews here at the church. Now, don't give up now. Don't quit. You're almost there. I know you're facing persecution because you're following Christ. But consider what he had to go through. Therefore, you don't get discouraged and weary in your souls now. The best way to not get discouraged is to look unto Jesus. We're going to look at two verses as we end now. Galatians 6, 9, it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. Don't get tired of doing good. Because in due season, not in your season, not in my season, not in the season that you want, in due season, his season, you will reap. You will now gain the harvest. You'll be rewarded if you don't lose heart. So you see, the reason why a lot of people never reap is because they lost heart very early. And they became discouraged and they quit and they gave up and they stopped running the race. And therefore, they never experienced the blessing. Do not grow weary in doing good. In due season you shall reap if you don't lose heart. It was in Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 that Paul told the church of Philippi, Now that I have already attained, or if I'm already perfected, but I press on. This is exactly what you need to do, press on. Can you guys say press on? Press on. But I press on. That I may lay a hold of that which Christ has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, one thing I do. Today we want to do five things, ten things. Paul said, I'm going to do one thing. Notice what he said. Forgetting those things which are behind, and I'm going to reach forward to those things which are ahead. Are you reaching forward today? You know what happens when you reach forward? Guess what you're doing? You're being stretched. <laughs> We don't like reaching forward because it requires that we stretch out. One thing I do, I'm forgetting the past so I can reach forward to what God has for me today. 
I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. I'm pressing toward the goal. I'm running towards the goal. I'm running towards the finish line. I'm casting off the way. I'm casting off the sin. And one last verse as the worship team comes forward. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Have you finished the race today? I have fought the good fight. I finished the race and I have kept the faith. I've been obedient the whole time. You cannot finish the race unless you keep the faith. Unless you keep the faith. And notice what it says. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to those who love his appearance. Finally, because I finished well, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge is going to give to me on that day. He's going to give me a crown of righteousness. He's going to say, my faithful son, my faithful daughter, well done. Here is the crown of righteousness. And it talks about a righteous judge because you're going to be, it talks about in Revelation, that you're going to be before the white throne judgment, the bema seat, it speaks of it. And all your works, all your motivations, all your intentions are going to be tried in the fire. And there he will reward you. He will give you the crown of righteousness. But not only to me, but also to those who love this appearing. Are you ready to receive a crown from the Lord? Now notice what it says on that day. What day? It's on the day of judgment. The day that we meet the Lord face to face. He is confident that he has finished well. I want you to know something, church, today. That on that day, no one's going to stand with you. On that day, you're going to stand alone. And you're going to have to look to the Lord and give an account, an answer. As to why or why didn't you finish the race well. Now maybe today, the Lord has ministered to you as to something that you were called to let go of. I need to cast off this sin. I need to cast off this way because it's ensnaring me. It's stripping me up. It is slowing me down. And because of this, whatever it is, a way can even be a thought. A sin can be something that God hasn't approved of in your life. Because of this, I am filled with discouragement. I want to cast those weights off. I want to cast that sin off so I can run with endurance. Before we take communion, we're going to go ahead and pray right now. And we're going to ask the Lord to do a work in our lives. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your word. It's living and it's powerful. Lord, give us Jesus. Give us your son. Give us your son, Jesus.